السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya. It's your boys on a Friday morning. Myself fired with Anhon Rami. How are you guys doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Tamam. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, you guys already see the title. You know what time it is. Forgiveness, healing, that type of stuff. So, before we go in, um, what's your relationship with that? With, with forgiveness because me coming into Islam and deeper into Islam it's easier to understand these things and to forgive and to have a, a more pure and sound heart but what about you guys? 100% forgiveness is, is always I would say the best route to go but there is some room for I'd say leniency with that because you can forgive someone in terms of the deen but have this feeling towards him in terms of the dunya. For example, um, the person who killed the uncle of the Prophet Hamza, عنه, the Prophet, peace be upon him, when he confronted that person later, he said that he forgives them, but that he can't look at them anymore and to basically leave because like, mm-hmm. he can't basically bear to, to look at them. But the Prophet, والسلام, he forgave them for it. And I think that that's really beautiful because it shows that you know, he was a human and just like us, uh, we may not always be able to fully forgive, forget, move on and go back to normal. But Islam doesn't require that from you. Islam doesn't even really necessarily require forgiveness. It just says that forgiveness is better. Or forgiveness is, is, is basically the best option. Mm. So that's the stance that I take with it, inshallah. But Anhil, how about you? Yeah, I think it's the best option. Because isn't it said by the Prophet Wasallam, where it's like... How can you expect to be forgiven if you can't forgive yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think the it, just correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. The hadith I think you're talking about is is one the Prophet والسلام, he he basically kissed one of his his uh, grandchildren on the forehead or something, and a man came to him and asked, um, you know, why do you kiss your children? I have like this many children, grandchildren. I never give them any kind of affection. And the Prophet he said, if you don't show mercy, then you will not receive mercy. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, My memory is not. I know what I know what was talking about. There is a generic belief in in Islam, or just a generic line that, you know, how do you expect Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to forgive you if you can't even forgive your brother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah Subhanallah, could have come from that hadith, bro. I'm not sure. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. So just like, look, yeah, 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 100%. It's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to forgive. Like Rami said, we're human, and like, you, it, it's the best thing to do, though. What if you think about unconditional love? Like unconditional love is gonna forgive someone. Like let's say this person ends someone's career in your family. You know what I'm referring to here. But, you know, for PG-13 reasons, we'll keep it like that. So let's say they do that. And, like, a party is just so angry. And it's like, yeah, you can forgive them. But, yo, every time that you see them, it's going to mm-hmm. keep bringing that back up. So, If not here, then in Jannah. I know, bro, yeah. I agree with what you're saying because... Is, is difficult, especially when someone harms you to that extent that you were talking about. Um, what do you feel like are the side effects, bro, from your experience, if you have any, that 
if you don't forgive someone and you hold it within you, just in the day-to-day life, just moving forward, what do you feel? What are, what are the things that you're holding on to? Well, I mean, you, you constantly have resentment towards them. But then on top of that, like, you just close yourself off. And now you're, you're continuously keeping yourself closed off. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. Like, if you don't forgive someone for something, then, like, a part of you is going to be less open to trusting someone else or accepting something or, or just being as open as you once were before. You know, like, let's say you smile a lot. Mm-hmm. And then someone just got really angry because you were smiling. Nothing to do with you, but everything to do with them and what they were going through in their day. Yeah. And then for you, it's like, yo, why did this person do this? Like, I thought we were cool They're over here acting like that with me. Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, should I not be smiling? So now that person who's smiling all the time, it, they're going to start smiling less. And it, it'll get to the point where they're probably not even smiling at all. I mean, just think about it. This is what happens, like, as little kids. Little kids are always smiling, enjoying themselves. And, like, mm-hmm. after they get hurt multiple times, that's when they start closing off. And it's like a part of them still holds that resentment. And because they hold that resentment, they're closed off and they're not fully in the innocent state that they were when they were kids. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. what you mean, bro. It's like when you go around and you see those people that look like they're walking around with that hurt, you know, with that chip on their shoulder. So, Nightmare, Jazakallah khair for uh, becoming a member. Welcome to the family. Um, yeah, bro. Aside from that, um, Rami, do you have any experience with that? Because I agree with Don 100%. Like, you go around feeling like you, don't, like you can't open that part of you that you opened to that person that wronged you and betrayed you. Yeah. And now you feel like, what if, what if I open myself to that again? Is it worth going through all that hurt? Yeah, 100%. This is a multi-layered issue. It's it's not just about forgiveness and not and, and or forgiving and or not forgiving. Uh that is basically a big part of it, but it's basically that lack of forgiveness and that resentment it, it becomes what we would call a grudge. And now that grudge is what's really damaging you. Having holding a grudge is kind of like holding on to a hot coal. Right, because it's it's fiery, it's hot, it burns. But the longer you hold on to it, the more it, it affects you. Because if you think about, it, if you let's say someone harms me and I hold a grudge against them, me holding that grudge against them does not do anything. It does nothing to them, for them, against them. It's just me holding a grudge, and the only person you end up hurting uh, is yourself in the end. And now, obviously, the main hurt was done by them, and that's their fault. And um, and that's where the forgiveness comes in. I would I truly believe that forgiveness is is only usually for yourself but i'm not talking about on the day of judgment or anything i'm talking about when a human in this life forgives another human i truly believe that it's only really for themselves because let's say you know Anhel harms me and i say i forgive you Anhel. unless he extremely cares for my forgiveness it's not going to make a difference to him he will go about his life whether i hate him or i love him mm. so me saying those words i forgive you it's me saying, I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm not going to let it harm me anymore. I'm not going to let it develop into this trauma that affects me for the rest of my life. I'm mm-hmm. going to hold on to the rope of Allah. I'm going to hold on to the, the sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to keep going about my life. And I know that on the day of judgment, uh, you know, inshallah, any hardship I went through, Allah will reward me for because I do it for his sake. And any wrong that has you know, been committed in this life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it right on the day of judgment. Yeah, bro, it is more for you because if you if you don't forgive him, he doesn't care. You're right. He's going to go about his life. 
maybe he might let it go from him, you know, his side, but maybe he might not. And then the only person it affects is you. Because you're going to go around always thinking about that, always, you know, when someone mentions his name, you're going to be bitter and salty. You're not going to say anything. You know, it's only affecting you. In in a way, it's it's putting you and keeping you in your head instead of in the present moment. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me, reminds me of this uh, saying where it's like being angry and holding a grudge is like taking a poison, you know, drinking poison and expecting the other person to be hurt by it. And I definitely no, like change no, up the wording that, so that the, uh, the algorithm that didn't time. get hit. When you're angry or you hold a grudge, it's as if you're drinking a poison but expecting it to do harm to the other person. When in reality, it's just doing harm to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. SubhanAllah. MashaAllah. Yeah. Okay, all this being said and done, let's say someone does harm you. What do you guys, how do you guys dichotomize the whole okay, this was actually something, like, wrong that they did to me, and this is me overreacting. Like, this was genuine betrayal and not, you know, something in my head as an insecurity or me being, you know, petty or egotistic versus this is, okay, they actually did something that's that's not cool that I got to check. Yeah. So, firstly, you have to understand that your feelings are valid. What your feelings, okay, it's valid. But the feelings being valid doesn't mean that what you feel... Um, ought to be how things are morally. So for example, let's say that I don't like someone, you know, that did something to me or didn't do something for me, right? I might not like that, but that doesn't mean that that person's wrong, sinful, haram. So when weighing in the scale, whether they're right or wrong, if it's okay or not, uh, you should look at the lens through Islam, right? And I would say, to be a little more technical, through their Islam, do they... Do, do their beliefs show that it's a sin? Does their madhab show that it's a sin? You know, mm-hmm. is this a qatai issue? Is this something that's clear cut? Like, you know, they come up to me and punch me for no reason. Every madhab would say that that's, you know, haram. Mm-hmm. So okay. I would look at it from that perspective first, that in my, what I'm feeling is okay, but Islamically, was it wrong? Was it haram? And then when I determined that it was an injustice, and feel free to go to a scholar about it and tell them the full story mm-hmm. as well. Once you determine that it was actually an injustice, um, you can. You have two options, basically. One, you can go to the person and like try and make it even. I'm not mm. encouraging to go and hit anyone back. I'm not. But you know, you have the right to make it even, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and, and so on and so forth. A life for a life, even. So you have the right Islamically. But the but the Quran, I believe, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, but forgiveness is better. Mm. Forgiveness is best. So you could also take a step back, say, I'm not going to do anything. Instead, I'm going to cash this in on the day of judgment. Allah's going to reward me. For not going and attacking or not going and trying to get even, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward me because I have the right to, but I'm holding back. And I think that's the best option, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for two reasons. One, what, what the heck is the point of getting even in this life? It doesn't do anything for you except maybe mm-hmm. your emotions for a small period of time. And then you become accustomed to doing that and you just keep doing it. Every time you're wrong, it's not a great feeling. Or... You leave it and Allah will give you more on the day of judgment and increase you on the day of judgment, which is better. Yeah. Obviously, the that's, day of judgment. That's the thing, bro. You, you remember the Stanford marshmallow test that they did with kids? They, they give them an option. Like, you can, you can either have this one marshmallow now or if you wait till I come back, I'll give you two marshmallows. Or if I, if I tell all of you brothers and sisters that if I give you, you know, $100,000 today or if you can wait a week, I'll give you a million. Anyone that has, you know, the, the, the wisdom, the maturity, the, the abundance, 
you know, they're going to say, okay, no, I'll wait. Delayed gratification is the way to go. You know, so th there's no wrong answer here because just like Rami said, you are allowed to get even, but isn't it better for you, as Allah says, to let go? Yeah, 100%. Anha, bro, what are your thoughts? And the question or? Yeah, let's do the question the, real the quick. Patreon. Then... Not the Patreon, what am I saying? To remember. So Naimur asks, and, and, you know, welcome to the to the family once again. Do I have to disclose my past to a potential spouse if I have truly changed, left my sins behind, and made tawbah? Jazakallah khair. Mm, I don't think that you have to disclose your past. I mean, ultimately, this is just me. This is my opinion. Hmm. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, but you, before, what was it called, Rami? The thing that you do before Sahara? It's the Shara. Yeah, you do it's the Shara. Well, first you reflect hmm. on the whole situation that you, you are with this potential spouse. Then you get it's the Shara, the Nasiya from someone that you trust. Then you do it's the Hara, to have clear guidance from Allah to see, okay, is this really something I'm going to go through or not? Like, is this person really meant for me and are they going to be good for me in this life and in the next? And from there, you have clear guidance. Because if you have clear guidance from Allah, okay, this person is the one. Well, I mean, like, you don't really need to say anything. And, like, even if they wanted to know, I mean, I guess you could, but that's already in the past. Like, it Mm. Doesn't it doesn't matter? In a to way, them, Allah, it matters to you. Hmm. In a way, Allah already concealed the sin. They put a blanket over it, like you said. Exactly. So, so why? Like, what is the point? You know. But yeah, I want to hear what exactly. I'm going to say to it. Um, you know, Yasser Jazakallah Khair for the the two dollar two pound super chat. Anha is natural. Rami is wisdom. Fahad is enthusiasm. And SZ, oh, shout out to you for becoming a member. Welcome to the family. But Rami, what are your thoughts? Jazakallah khair. May Allah bless you all immensely. Allahumma ameen. Taib. So, <clears throat> Islamically speaking, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conceals your sin, it's not for you to reveal it. And that's maybe just as big as a sin as the original sin. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it private, concealed it, and you go out and talk about it. And usually this is said in the, in the sense that the person's boasting about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, we went out, we got drunk last night. It was so much fun. Right? So... Uh, but it still applies here in the sense that Allah concealed it and you should not go and reveal it, especially if it is in the past. The only, and I'm not a scholar, so take what I say with a grain of salt, because what I just said was the Islamic advice, as far as I know, maybe a sleeper, Allahu Alam. I'm just adding a little bit and from myself and I'm not a scholar. But what I want to say is if it would affect the sister's future, then you should tell her. So if it's something like, you know, I... I don't want to use any graphic examples, but, you know, there's, I would say, really a really bad story of me out there, something I actually did. And if you end up marrying me, they might tie that story to you. Um, let's say that if the sister's like, you know, known in a certain area, they might tie that to you and it might affect you in your life. That actually might be very detrimental. She might end up, you know, resenting you in the future for it. Why didn't you tell me all that? And it could come out and, and really haunt you guys in your marriage in the future. Allahu Adam. Mm. But if it's something in the sense that you did it in the past, people don't know about it. It's not a big deal. You repented. And it's not a big deal in terms of the public eye. You repented. He asked Allah to forgive you. Then it's not for you to go and reveal it. 
Okay. That's, that's like you're saying, like, if you truly change, you know what I mean? Like, like, let's say, you know, if somebody has experience with uh, previous partners in Jailia, stuff like that, if it's something like, let's say they had a substance addiction, and they haven't fully gotten over that, meaning it still affects their personality, it's still something that will, will kind of blow up on people around them and affect them. So in that case, it kind of makes sense to give them kind of like a warning, it's not really airing your sins in public. But your intention is so that everything's streamlined with this new spouse, which yeah, it should 100%. be. Yeah, yeah. And that in that case, that would be more of like a character deficit. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be more like, um, you know, this happened to me when I was younger, and I've become very uh, bitter in some cases, I'm it's harder for me to hold my tongue harder for me to hold in my anger, mm-hmm. that you know, that that should be told because that's not necessarily a sin. It's not saying yeah. that, you know, I did this, this, that it's more. So just saying, if you are not able to, to handle that in life, then you know, we shouldn't do this. Because what's the point of this is a side note, but what's the point of engagement? Uh, the engagement period in Islam, which is not called that, but getting to know someone mm-hmm. in their family to see if they are suitable for you and to see if you are suitable for them. It's not like those stupid reality shows where everyone gets together and you try and impress everyone by putting on a facade in a show mm-hmm. and 10 pounds of makeup and, and this huge, you know, mucho macho personality. And, you know, I don't care about any women. And then all of a sudden all the women are running at you because you, you know, you, you act like you don't care about them in this stupid game. That's, that's not what it is. It's, this is my personality. This is their personality. This is my belief. This is their belief. They're compatible. They're incompatible. Literally, that's mm. all it is. So if you're putting on a show and, and lying about who you are, then it's, uh, it's honestly just setting your marriage up for failure. Okay. Let me ask you all a quick, uh, for some quickness here. Is this a little more clean? Or if you guys see this, like this... I feel like, yeah, I feel like this, like this looks nicer, but it's too big. This looks this nicer. One, no, okay. sorry. So yeah, this looks nicer, but, but it's too small. Too small. Mm. And this one with this much text is a little too big. Okay, let me do this then. While we answer questions, I'll just uh, put it to this. Like, okay, brother Osama asked. The messenger said, it is not lawful for a Muslim to forsake his Muslim brother beyond three days, and whosoever does so for more than three days and then dies will certainly enter the hell. Allah. And forsake in, in which sense? Forsake as in, like, you won't speak to them for three days? You're holding a grudge. You're holding a grudge. Yeah. Yeah. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah, I remember when I, I I was discussing this with Anho too. That uh, you know, that's a, that's the difference between Islam and you know, the kufar. You know, I've I've heard of people. I'm not gonna lie, I've heard of people in Islam, in Muslim families, you know, hold grudges. But you know, it's it's not something that is Islamically backed up. If anything, just like the brother here said, something we shouldn't do. Yeah, one hundred percent. Especially when it comes to family. Family is a whole different story. Because when it comes to family, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he specifically told us not to break the ties of kinship. So you would technically be obligated to you know, visit your parents, your siblings uh, a certain amount of times, maybe to even bring gifts and try and you know, re- reconcile and all of that and just show that you don't you know, hate them or anything crazy like that. Okay. Uh, before we go on to the next topic, I have a quick uh, physics question for uh, Anhel, bro. If we got 75 viewers in the stream, bro, how many likes should we have on this video? In all seriousness, bro. 
You, you really want to know the answer? Yeah, like you got to do the equation properly. So now we got 79 viewers, bro. How many likes should we have on the stream? Minimum 183. Minimum 183. You guys have heard it here first. I don't know how you got it. I still don't know. I'm not as good as math as him, but 183 likes minimum on this live stream. What are you guys doing? Okay, Bismillah. Next topic. Next topic is going to be regret. So we get a lot of DMs from a lot of brothers and sisters saying, okay, I've done this in the past. I've, I've made tawbah to Allah. You know, I've, I've repented for my sins. But how do I know Allah's even forgiven me? I regret. I, I, I wish I'd never done this in the first place. You know, you hear Rami say a lot, you know, Qadr Allah, Alhamdulillah. But like, is it really that easy to like just let go of your past? Rami, like, what are some strategies that people should adopt? So I think the first mistake is putting it all kind of on themselves. So if a person makes a sin or commits a sin and then they ask Allah to, spend out to, Allah to forgive them sincerely, as long as they are sincere, Allah will forgive them. So what you're really doubting in that point is Allah's forgiveness. If you doubt your sincerity, then just renew your intentions, make tawbah again, be as sincere as possible. And that's something you were supposed to keep purifying. It's called tazkiyatul nafs or tazkiyatul qalb, purification of the self or purification of the heart. It's something we all have to do every single day as Muslims. And may Allah make us people who purify ourselves. Allahumma ameen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, he who purifies the nafs, uh, has succeeded and he who fails to has basically failed so as muslims we be as sincere as we can we try and be as sincere as possible we ask allah to forgive us for any transgression we committed but at the end of the day if we're doubting allah forgave us why are you doubting it because you're not sincere because allah is not a ghafur rahim not he's not the most forgiving and the most merciful and that would actually fall into kufr if you actually were to believe that so as long as you know that it's not on you, it's on Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of all things, Allah is fully capable and willing to forgive you and to grant you mercy, as long as you are sincere. And that sign of being worried about your sincerity is a sign that you're sincere. Imagine you make tawbah like, oh, Allah forgive me, and you just went on with your day like you didn't care. That's a sign that you're not sincere. So if the more worried you are about it, then I would say the more sincere you seem to be. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in a podcast, but you and me talked about this around me, where it's like, if you question your faith, you know, if you're, if you're kind of having doubts about your beliefs in, you know, Islam and all that stuff, it's like, I think that the Prophet wasallam said that that's a sign of high iman. Because it shows that you actually believe that you have the doubts. You you believe if if you didn't believe and the doubts came in, like they wouldn't really be doubts. You would just not believe it. Yeah, yeah we went on. Well, Rami went on that on a, in a Patreon video, bro. And for those of y'all that don't know, Patreon exclusive content, man. We post content that never airs on YouTube on Patreon. So Patreon, if you think we're real on YouTube, for one, Rami, what are they gonna get on Patreon, bro? On Patreon, they're going to get a whole new level of realness because there are things we can't say on Patreon, although it's the, or sorry, on YouTube, although it's mm. the truth. So go to Patreon and get the exclusive content and the exclusive truth that YouTube won't allow. There we go. There we you go. Get, you get that SoundCloud link to the queasy stream. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's the highest tier. That's the highest tier, though. Yeah. Yeah, there's multiple tiers, though, too. So lowest tier start at $5 a month. You know, $5 a month, you just become, you know, you get all the exclusive band content that we can't post on YouTube or that we posted on YouTube and it got removed. But then they have higher tiers where they can speak to us one-on-one -on -one and just, you know, be homies with us. So...
Yeah. Just to bring it back to that point, the point that was mentioned on Patreon, um, <clears throat> imagine just like Cement Wallenhill just said, imagine you woke up and you had this thought that maybe unicorns don't exist. Right. You're not going to be like, oh, my God, my life is ruined. Oh, unicorns. I'm like, let me go study. Mm. Let me go ask a sheikh. Do unicorns? You never believe them to begin with. It doesn't make a difference to you if, if whether they're real or not, because you never believe them to begin with. Now, if your entire belief yeah. was centered around unicorns and yeah, you're in a bit of a pickle, you've been uh, in a bit of a problem. <laughs> same thing with Islam, same thing with your iman and Allah subhanahu wa and Islam. If you get doubts about your religion, which people have messaged me, DM me with literally like, I'm so like, I couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking about, you know, what David Wood said, where he took something out of context, misinterpreted it, mistranslated it, threw it in a blender and then put it on YouTube. And it's like, okay, this is good. For two reasons. One, it shows you truly believe in Islam. Because if you didn't, it wouldn't bother you. And two, when you get the answer to it, it'll literally increase you in Iman. Because what is Iman? Anhil, what, what is Iman, bro? Acceptance of a fact, boy. Yeah, exactly. Iman is the acceptance of a fact using basically evidence to prove that it's, it's correct. It's in line how's, with reality. Yeah, how's that different than blind faith? Blind faith is literally like you close your eyes and basically you say, I believe in Jesus or died for my sins. I believe in uh, 11,000 gods. I believe in... It's not based on reality. It's not based on evidence. It's based on uh, basically following people blindly mm -hmm. what they say. Like if I came to you and I said, you know, drink this uh, purple liquid, it'll make you Superman. And you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. And you drink it, then okay, you're following based on blind faith. Mm. But if okay. you see a peer-reviewed study about like, you know, black seed and you're like, oh, based on this evidence, black seed has this benefit, that would be, you have iman that black, seed is, black seeds are actually good for you. So mm. similarly to in Islam, since it's acceptance of a fact, once you learn more about Islam, you're accepting more facts about Islam, you literally have more iman. Mm. Okay, as he says, Ikhwan visit us in Switzerland. Bro, we were, we were all just talking about one day, you know, inshallah, hitting up Switzerland for a trip and knowing that we have some subscribers there, some family there, like yourself, that wants to, you know, see us when we do come. If we do come, inshallah, it'd be an honor. So, Jazakallah for that. And shout out to Project for becoming a member. MashaAllah. But Jazakallah here for the example. Have you really brought it home? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a good form, Ashal. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last thing that is on the list today. Let's say let's say you you have repented. You have done the work to, you know, let go and trust that Allah has forgiven you, like Rami saying. And not judging and, and limiting one of Allah's qualities and attributes of infinite mercy and maximum mercy. Uh stuck for Allah. Let's say you do all this. Yet you still have this, this random subconscious insecurity that you just can't let go. So let's say someone lied to you in the past. Now you can't ever you know, say something to someone else, share something with someone else. Let's say, let's say someone's betrayed you. Now you can't, you know, open yourself up to anyone else. It's not even in your control. Like you try, but you can't. Let's say someone does you wrong and now you can never trust another girl. What do you do in this scenario? Is it time? Is it is it is there something like is there still a character deficiency that you gotta work towards? Is there something, you know, in Ibadah that you gotta do? Anha, bro, you wanna take this one? Or maybe Fai, you should answer your own question. Yeah, why don't you answer your own question, bro? Okay, 
cool. This question that we commonly get, the way I usually answer it is time. All right, this is just for me. Usually, usually, most of the things in life just take time. A good example of this is, let's say, grief. Um, you get really attached to someone. Let's say something happens to them, God forbid. And let's say, you know, the time here is, uh, is prematurely coming to an end uh, or has come to an end. And you now feel like, okay, because of this, I can no longer attach myself to someone else. I can no longer let myself form a relationship or a bond or a connection with someone else. Because what if this happens to them again, right? This feeling of, of loss, of grief really does go like away over time. It might take a short amount of time. It might take a few weeks. It might take a few months. It might take a few years. It might even take decades. What I know is this, even if you never really get over it, or it never leaves you, the feeling, it gets easier to manage and deal with over time as time progresses. You begin to like have normalcy slowly but surely creep back into your life. It's not going to be something like that's forever there. Um, and even if it is, it gets more manageable. It might seem like that in the in the short term when you're going you know, through it. It's like, man, I can't even eat. I can't even sleep. I can't even do this, that, and the other. But over time, it does get easier. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's that's one example of like you know getting hurt from someone and grieving like for example you love someone and they end up passing away but what about the case where what you mentioned before you love a woman and she ends up breaking your heart or you love a man he ends up breaking your heart or you do business with someone and they rip you off mm. how do you deal with that it's a tough question bro tough question i'm gonna stop on her and... bro i don't think i understand the question because I spaced out when you were actually saying the question the first time. That's why I was like, bro, I think you should answer your question first. That's funny, bro. That's funny. So, uh, Rami, do you want to repeat it or do you want me to reiterate? It's your question, inshallah. Go for it, bro. Okay, bro. So, basically, if somebody does you wrong to the point where it was not your fault, it was their fault, because of this, you subconsciously have this insecurity now that what if this happens again? Whether someone cheats on you, whether someone lies to you, whether someone steals from you, whether someone betrays your trust and honor and integrity or violates you, how do you now go on to life knowing this might happen again when you, in your best of your capability, you've done everything to become a better man? You've done the work, you've done the tawbah, you've done the, you know, the healing, let's say. You've tried to purify your heart, but for some reason, it's still inside you, like... I can't open up myself and put myself in that scenario again. And now you have this wall. You just can't be vulnerable. Mm. Well, number one, you have to ask a lot to open you up. Because, I mean, when we're closed off like that, like, it's very difficult. You know, and it's not it's not going to happen unless a lot wills it. So that's number one. Um, number two, you said they already did the uh, healing, but healing is also a thing that like occurs over time. So it might take their entire life to be able to heal from that. And I say the last thing is just understanding that whether you're open or closed, you're going to get hurt either way. So why not just be open? Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. As he writes, Allah Azawajal makes everything easy. And you should always have trust, tawakkul in him and in his qadr, his divine decree. So even if someone hurts you, you should have sabr, patience, and know that it had khair, goodness in it, inshallah. Yeah.
Yeah, inshallah, 100%. Uh, one thing I want to add to this discussion, inshallah, is let's say you, I'm going to link three scenarios together because I think they all are basically the same thing, just kind of represented differently. So okay. like, you know, a love interest when, hurt, when they hurt you or a friend when they betray you or doing business with someone that end up ripping you off. You are, I almost, I almost want to say obligated. And I'm not using this as like a, a shari, like Islamic, like fiqh ruling term. I'm just saying as a human, you owe it to yourself, right? Again, because I'm not a sheikh. You owe it to yourself to do what Islam tells you to do, which now this is a, a shari, like def, not definition, but shari fact, that when someone uh, slanders a person or... Uh, shows that they're untrustworthy in their testimony in terms of them, for example, even narrating a hadith in the time of like the, the Salaf, the, you know, uh, the first three generations, if they narrate a hadith that was proven to be false and this kept happening, their testimony mm -hmm. is just not taken anymore at all. Mm -hmm. so, and they're not trusted as a person. So if someone hurts you when they show that you can't trust them, you owe it to yourself to stay away from that person in the sense that you don't trust them anymore. Because you can be on good terms with someone and forgive someone and not share all your little secrets with them. Not allow yourself to open up and like fall deeply in love with them because you've been talking like every night for the past 10 months, which would be haram to begin with. Um, and same thing like with a friend and same thing with the guy who ripped you off in business. You don't have to go do business with him again. You can be like, no, you ripped me off. You know, get the heck out of my face. Uh, but you can forgive him. You don't have to hold it against him. So those, it's basically kind of like a, a false dichotomy that that you that people make that either I forgive them and do business again or uh, I hate them forever and it's, it's not the it's not the only two options that's one and secondly what I wanted to say about uh, you know being hurt by people is you can ascribe it to them and then take what you learn from it and apply it in life because it's not bad that you're worried about getting you know that happening again that's you your nafs yourself learning to protect yourself it's mm -hmm. called wisdom it's called learning and growing and adapting. So now when you see the same signs in a business partner that you saw in the first one, your alarm will be up and then you'll take extra precautions to know you're not going to get ripped off. Maybe you'll have witnesses for the contract and you'll make sure that he signs his name and he, he puts whatever to prove that he's the one signing it. Maybe if you're a Ooh. sister, you'll ask a little bit more um, from the brother who you're looking to marry for the mahr because you know he makes enough money to afford it. You're not asking for his whole bank account. Mm -hmm. But maybe you're asking what he makes in, you know, a few months. And that, that would be a lot to him, perhaps. Mm. So, Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu anhu, says that, who says that uh, you know, you never really know someone until you, you either live with him, yeah. do business with him, or travel. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. And I think that's the biggest injustice, you know, thinking we know people and all that. But this, this is why we get hurt. We're naive, we get hurt, we learn from it. What you can't do... Because it would be an injustice to yourself is put that on all men, put it on all women, put it on all of society, put it on all business owners, that everyone's like that. That generalization is not harming them. Well, it might, it might be if it's a societal level, and everyone hates them, but that generalization is harming you because as a man, you closed yourself off to women. You closed yourself off to marriage. You closed yourself off to the idea of starting a family. Same thing with a woman. You closed yourself off to the idea of getting married, having a husband, being taken care of having children, and so on and so forth. And there will come a time where you regret that. And that damage is going to be a lot more severe than the damage you initially felt of getting that, your heart broken and all of that. It's going to be longer lasting. It's going to be more permanent. So that's why you don't throw it onto everyone.
<laughs> Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Ya alhamdulillah. Here we go, bro. That's the hat trick. <laughs> Jazakallah khair for tuning in, bro. Almost every week, bro. Brother Khalib tuned in. oh, MashaAllah. All right. All right, We all got right. to leave Just two in minutes 15 left. minutes. Chat is now open to the public. Asha writes eight J J J. Not sure what that means. Maybe they meant to write high, hit J's Oh, instead. there we go. That's <laughs> Must be excited. must be very <laughs> exciting. Let me change this right now. Jeez. Brand classic. There we go. Okay, John writes some welcome. What are your thoughts on she has? Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. A bit of a loaded question, to be honest, because what you're, the question almost begs us to generalize all Shias, which is, pro is problematic. Because you have the Shias that have beliefs that take them out of Islam, and you have Shias that have beliefs that keep them in the fold of Islam. So Shias as a whole, I would say generally, okay, they're Muslim until they, they're proven to not be. If a person has a belief that takes them out of the fold of Islam, then that person's not Muslim. But you can't do takfir on all of the Shias like we do takfir on all of the Ahmadis. Very, very good answer, bro. I remember, uh, you know, Anho being a new weaver and all for anyone watching that. For one, if anyone's watching and didn't like the video, what are you doing, man? Come on, like the video. But two, if you're watching and you didn't know that Anho's a reaver, mashallah, and he's he's made such tremendous progress in uh, in the past few months. There was one thing that Anho would repeatedly ask us, and he's like, if if Islam truly is like one message, one prophet, one God, and it's like this just simple one truth, then why are there multiple sects? Why is there division in the Ummah? So Rami, Do you want to answer that again? Because, you know, a lot of people might not know the answer to that. Yeah, so first and foremost, uh, dividing in the sects and not being united as an ummah is something the Prophet, peace be upon him, knew and something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him would happen. So there's a, there's a hadith where the Prophet, وسلم, he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <clears throat> to not let another nation overtake our nation, not, not let us be destroyed by another nation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that dua. And then the Prophet, وسلم, he made a dua that, you know, oh Allah, don't allow my nation to be destroyed by any natural disaster. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that dua. And then he made a dua, oh Allah, don't allow my, my ummah to be divided and to start you know, fighting with each other and, and basically part into sects. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that this is their test. This is their test. So although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet commanded us to stay united, to not divide into sects and all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet and he knew, and he showed us that he knew that we would eventually So it doesn't discredit Islam that people divide it into sects because we, without actually, <clears throat> in a way, kind of, it may discredit the idea of free will. Because unless every single individual in the Muslim ummah or every group within the ummah decide to follow one exact way of thinking, you're going to have differences of opinion. And some differences of opinion will develop into being other sects. You will have people like ISIS that claim to be Muslim. but they're definitely another sect. You will have people like Ahmadi who claim to be Muslim, but they're not even a sect within Islam, they're kuffar. And this is all because people have free will. They can choose to do that. They can choose to fight with other Muslims. They can choose to have these, you know, these little disagreements that they turn into a big deal. If you look at some of like the Madkhali Salafis and how they treat the Ashari, the Maturidis and the other Muslims who have different Aqidah than them, even though their Aqidah is still within the parameters of Islam, They treat them like they're non-Muslims. That kind of sectarianism is not what the Ummah needs. Although it's something we have, 
it's something uh, we're tested with and we need to deal with as an ummah. I mean, bro, I mean, man, you know, I, I hope that answers y'all's, uh, y'all's questions. In regards to one of the uh, the subscribers, they said that we need to make a Discord. We're going to make a Discord, inshallah. It's on the way. I've been, yeah, it's on the way. I've been messing around with the whole NFT things and been playing around with the, the Discord communities over there, so... Inshallah, we'll have one for the T3M. You know, you know the brother that helped us, uh, that's helping us with the website. So mm-hmm. another subscriber DM'd, uh, DM'd me and said that, you know, I know the other brother personally and I'm a, I'm a specialized, you know, Discord. Uh, I create Discord servers and I've been doing it for five years. And, uh, you know, he'd love to help us out. So Inshallah, that's another sign. Inshallah. We're getting the, the comments now, so that's another sign. Uh, we'll do it, Inshallah. Project writes, Salam Brothers, glad to join the chat. Thank you for joining and uh, becoming a YouTube member. Just wanted to say I enjoy the channel. May Allah reward you for all your hard work. Keep you on the straight path. Keep preaching. Amin. May Allah accept it. Allahumma amin. Wa alaikum salam. They love us for the sake of Allah. We love you as well for the sake of Allah. All right. Bismillah. How does one go about gaining the self-conviction that they are following the right sect? So firstly, I would say remove the idea of sects. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider... Um, Salafis a sect I wouldn't consider Sufis a sect I wouldn't consider any of these sects And the fact that we do consider them sects Is problematic because that in and of itself Is dividing into sects Because as long as a person is within the fold of Islam uh, They are a Muslim Because in Islam you have things That are qata'i, that are clear cut That you cannot disagree with Or that you cannot believe in And there are things that are dhani There's differences of opinion and that difference of opinion allows for there to be people who believe in different things. So khalas, that's, it's okay that people believe in different things. But in terms of what you believe, how do you know what you believe is actually true and good? Well, it has to be based in evidence. So you have to look at the evidence. You have to you know, study Arabic. You have to study the works of the scholars. And you have to see what you believe and if it's actually based in the Quran and actually based in the, the Sunnah. Now, keep, when you're doing this, keep in mind that there are things that are qatai and things that mm-hmm. are dhanni. There are things that have 100% evidence that you need to believe in. For example, the Prophet being the last uh, Prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in the Quran. So it's clear, it's qatai. But there are other things like, did the Prophet go in the night journey to heaven, full body and soul? Or did he go with just his soul? If you choose either opinion, it's okay because neither of them are 100% proved uh, Islamically with evidence. You don't have a hadith that says he went body and soul. You don't have a hadith that says he only went with the soul. So that difference of opinion is allowed there. That would not take you out of the fold of Islam. Okay. Perfect, bro. Next question. And by the way, guys, we're not trying to, you know, rush through the questions, but Rami and, and Anha and myself, we try to give quality, not quantity. So we can't give, you know, and we can't answer all the all the comments. It makes no sense. So if you do want a priority, just send a super chat or become a YouTube member, inshallah. So Guna writes, Salam brothers, how should I try and persuade one of my English white mates that Allah is real and Islam is the truth? Allah, but I've been to make them, uh, I've been wanting to make them believe, but they just end up being annoyed in the end. You do little by little. And if if the words is too much, then you lead by example. Or you give dawah by example with your mm-hmm. actions. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the Saudi Riyals from uh, Brother Mahmoud. All right, two times, mashallah. Jazakallah. Jazakallah, yeah. Okay. Oh. I think on home. Well, first off, 
you should go to your parents, talk to them. Uh, but then from there, it's, it's just a matter of like self-reflecting and constantly asking Allah to heal you up from the trauma. Because again, like it's going to happen when it's time. Not when you want it to, but when it's time to happen. And that might be today. That might be a few weeks from now, a few months from now, a few years from now. But you just got to constantly be striving to heal. Because again, you're asking Allah to heal you. But you have to make the actions. Like Allah says in the Quran, He's not going to change the situation of anyone until they change what's within themselves. So you have to constantly keep making an effort. And that's why I said self-reflection, because usually on the day-to-day spectrum, we have a, a ton of thoughts going on inside our head that we're not really aware of. And sometimes we'll have a thought that comes in and we'll be thinking about it, but we might get distracted with something or it might just be too much to deal with in the moment. So we just push it aside for the time being. That's where the self-reflection mm-hmm. is very important because you're taking that time out to really just ask yourself the questions like, okay, well, why do I feel this way? Why did I experience this? Why did I run away and not face that head on when I was a kid? Why, why do I still experience this trauma like this? You know, you're asking yourself these hard questions and you're staying with them so that way you can come to conclusions. And what I usually tell people is get yourself a journal and when you reflect, write down the most important parts that come to you. That way, when you reflect the next time, you have a bookmark. You have a place marker as to where you left off. Because it's like reading a book. It's like reading the Quran. You're not going to read the Quran the entire way through. You're going to read a little bit. And then you're going to put a bookmark. So that the next time you come in, you're starting fresh. Or not starting fresh, but you're starting from where you left off. MashaAllah. Aziz, is that for the other book recommendation too? Seems uh, very learned, mashallah. Adam writes, Rami, I've sent you, uh, sent you guys a study for numerical miracles of the Quran. Did you see it? Uh, no, I didn't. Where, where did you send it? Like Instagram DM or like email? Yeah, let, it, let us know where you sent it. Send it send to the email. Another one, I do a lot of mistakes. It's the same mistake every time. Any advice on how to fight it? Well, um, what I'll say is this before the others go in that the greatest problem is not knowing you have a problem. So the fact that you're, you're cognizant that this is an issue, you're already ahead of the game. Most people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rami, you want to go or you want me to go? Habibi, take it. Go ahead. Uh, like I said, reflect on it. Constantly reflect on it. Ask Allah to help you get past it and take action. Because again, Allah is not going to change the situation of anyone until they change what is within themselves. The way you change what is within yourself is by reflecting and taking action. 100%. 100%. May Allah bless you. Uh, Allahumma amin. So, I would say that it, it depends on what the thing is and how severe it is. If it's like an addiction, that's something that you might need you know, more professional help with. But if it's something like smaller, that's just a bad habit, maybe like swearing and all of that, these are things that you can work on over time. And I would say you must start by detesting it. And once you detest it, you know, it's something that cognitively you know that if you do, you're going to have some kind of dissonance. And that will slowly move you away from it. Take example from the Prophet Take example, uh, you know, from the Quran, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes, you know, the best of people and how they were and all of that. And over time, you might just grow out of it. Just keep trying, keep pushing. But if it's a more severe issue and it's rooted in your nafs, in your desires, 
then you need to take a more stern approach. You need to preoccupy yourself with things very specifically at very specific times. Like let's say you end up doing the sin at, uh, you know, 7 p.m. on the weekends. Make sure 7 p.m. on the weekends, you're like at the gym. There's no way you can do it. Or 7 p.m. on weekends, you're working or something like that to get you away from it. You have to really break the problem down and make a plan and stick to it to grow out of it, inshallah. Yeah, well, I was a man's blocked for five minutes. We got three minutes left before we got to wrap this up. So, Guna writes, thank you, brothers. I will keep trying. Also, have you got any real advice for protection against the evil eye? As I think my little brother is currently suffering from it and is very ill recently. Oh, may Allah protect your brother and your family. Allahumma ameen. What you want to do is make sure that your whole family abstains from any sins, right? Um, or having any nudges, anything that's, you know, impure in the house. And you want to pray your salah, do everything that's far that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded that we do. And you want to read Surah Al-Fatiha, Ayat Al-Kursi, and the last three surahs of the Qur'an, three times each in the mornings at Fajr and in the evenings at Asr. Do this and continually do it and keep doing it until, inshallah, uh, it's, it's better. And make dua that Allah protects you. Allahumma. MashaAllah. And Surah Mulk as well. Easy writes off topic, but what I wanted to know what languages do you guys know? You guys want to go first? I only speak Arabic, but I'm learning Arabic. Or I only speak English, but I'm learning Arabic. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, I know English, Spanish, Portuguese, very, very tiny bit of Thai, and I'm learning Arabic now. Inshallah. And inshallah, I'll learn. Uh, French as well. Inshallah. Adam writes million dollar advice from Rami. Everyone take notes. That's what I do. First of all, you know French? No, I said inshallah, I'll learn French. Oh, inshallah. Well. Okay. For me, I, said, I know funny. English, Spanish, Portuguese, a little bit of Thai, and a little bit of Arabic, learning Arabic though, um, but then French as well. In the future, I'll learn that one. Inshallah. My guy's just throwing random ones in there. Like, bro, I could just say 30 languages right now. Be like, yo, inshallah, I learn all. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. I mean, bro, I, I know at least three languages. Okay. That's that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Three for some, you know. For me, you know, three Bengali, uh, English, a little bit of Arabi, uh, Urdu, Hindi, Punjabi, you know, a little bit. Um, easy to understand. Rami, what about you? I already answered it. I only okay, speak okay. English and I'm learning Arabic. You don't know French, bro? No, bro. Heck no. I forgot that the second I, I stopped learning in school. There we go. There we go. Vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour. Okay, we got one to two last questions that we're going to answer before we end this one off. Let's answer this one. I got um, to head out. All right, perfect. Okay. Time, time. Yeah. Mashallah. Hi, right, bro. Enjoy your gym. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, Habibis. All right. So uh, let's not, we're, gonna, we're not going to obviously be too, we're not even going to read this question out, to be honest. We're just going to display it. Um, and we're not going to, you know, obviously go too in depth because this is YouTube. This is not Patreon. There's a lot of terms that we can't say. But how would you very lightly skim over this, Rami, and answer it? It's uh, that's really funny to be completely honest. So, firstly, if a person 
calls you one of these terms or associates you with certain people because you defend the hadith, then why don't you pull out the hadith that refutes those people and what they do? Like where the Prophet, peace be upon him, talks about the khawarij and how they're the dogs of hellfire. Then it would basically smack what he's saying in, in his face. You just take the evidence and you show it. Show that these people, what they do is political and not Islamic. And then show him why him and his Quranist views are, are actually kuffar. And they fall into disbelief. And that he himself doesn't know what Islam is practically. Because the Quran doesn't explain everything specifically. It mentions everything generally. You'll have one ayah that will say something general that will encompass all of these things. But everything that it encompasses, we just don't know because we lack the information. So what we do is we go to the hadith because even the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'll find the ayah if you need. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we sent the Quran so that you may explain it to them. That's what he says. So that the Prophet may explain the Quran to us. Show him that ayah that the Prophet has to explain it to us. How does he explain it to us in the 21st century? With the hadith. And show him the signs of hadith and, and how we know these uh, were actually the words of the Prophet peace be upon him because we have chains of narrations and these people being uh, criticized to see if they're actually good narrators and truthful uh, or not. Muhkamat and mutashabihat. Yes, muhkamat meaning clear cut, kata'i and mutashabihat meaning speculative. There could be you know, different understandings of it and so on and so forth. And those who look to spread mischief in Surah Surah Al-Imran, uh, chapter 3, verse 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in the book there are clear verses and others are ambiguous. He said the clear verses are the foundation of the book. And he says that those who look to spread mischief and doubt rely on the ambiguous verses and their false interpretations of them. Show them all of that, inshallah, and it will really smack his belief. Hmm. My man muted it right away, like, mic drop. All right, so it's Friday. It's time for Jummah soon. Anyone watching that hasn't gone to Jummah, if you're a male, if you're a brother, it's mandatory, right? A lot of people don't know this, but it's mandatory. We remind it every week. Go to Jummah, do your best, get a ride, pick up your lads, you know, go make 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 it happen. It's it's, it's not that long, you know. Uh, take a take a bath first, uh, you know, it's uh, recommended, uh, and then you know make wudu, put something nice on, and just just make it happen. Bismillah, Jummah, no excuse. All right, sisters, it's not obligatory, but there's no, you know, definitely there's baraka if you do it. But brothers, mandatory. Let's go. Okay, one last question and then we're done. Now that I think about it, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I actually think there's more reward for a woman praying at home. I believe there's yeah, more yeah, reward. There was, there, the, the Prophet some did did say that that there's more reward for um men if they're you know closer to the front in the masjid and for women if they're if they're closer to the back. You know, so I did hear that that one too, bro. That you said, Alhamdulillah. Happy May Allah keep us from that. Allahumma amin. Allahumma amin. Inshallah. Inshallah. Okay. All right, Taib. That's it. May my rights, may Allah Almighty bless you, brothers, with the utmost goodness in this life and the next. Amin, Ya Rab. Allahumma amin. Okay. One last question. There we go. You can clutch. You two members. Do we read Surah Kaf every Friday? And the Prophet he did instruct us to read. Um, so I believe he just said ten. So it could be the first ten or the last ten. Um, but maybe you know why not both? 
Um, I actually have not memorized the first 10 and the last 10, only some from the first 10. So I read that, um, but it's about time, inshallah, I memorize the rest. Uh, when you say 10, you're talking about ayah, right? Yeah, first 10 ayat. MashaAllah. Okay, there you go. You have a first. Um, and I'm on the same boat as uh, as Rami. Definitely, we got to get on that. Jazakallah for the reminder. Why? Or, I mean, to the brother, actually, who asked the question. Yeah, both of you, both of you. All right, bismillah, let's end it. All right, طيب. that being said, have a, a blessed uh, year, inshallah, in life. Allahumma ameen. I'm going to avoid saying blessed Jummah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no more Jummah Mubarak, bro. Just in, case, that. just in case. Just in case. With that being said, Allahumma atina fid dunya hasna wa fil akhirati hasna wa kina adhab nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi.